Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, the midterms, of course, are going to be very consequential for America's political path for the next couple of years. They're certainly being advertised to the American people as the most important election in our history, which I always debate that. Uh, Doom predictions coming, regardless of which side wins, there'll be some sort of doomsday scenario coming out. Uh, With all the hyperbolic messaging that's going on uh, that tends to do more harm than good in our political discourse, uh, the the question is, are we asking the right questions? Uh, Can we get to the deeper questions, the more elevated questions after the election passes? And so there's a number of things that we want to look at. And, uh, of course, when we want to look at all things politics, we go to Sarah Isker, staff writer at The Dispatch, a great place for you to get a real balanced and uh, important perspective that goes beyond just headlines, bullet points from the left or the right. It's real reporting. Uh, it's incredibly refreshing. And uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so as we look at uh, where we are uh, coming down the, the home stretch, uh, you had uh, a piece uh, as part of the sweep uh, looking at a, a number of things. Uh, and let's start with just a, a real quick look at what's happening on the Democratic side. The uh, DCCC chairman, uh, Patrick Maloney, has been facing uh, some increasing and maybe even some pre-finger pointing or pre-blame before election night. Uh, What's the status there? Uh, How's that shaking out? Yeah, I mean, it's not very often that you see the guy in charge of the Democrats' chances in the House fighting for his own political survival, Republicans pouring money into that race, hoping to topple him. He's been a controversial figure within Democratic politics as well. Mm. The race has now been moved to a stop, and that's in New York State, of course. Wow. Yeah, that's a uh, that is a fascinating shift there in uh, something that should be very safe for the Democrats that they're suddenly having to defend. And I think uh, Patrick Maloney is having to defend a, a host of other things as well as they move towards election night. Uh, the part of your piece that I absolutely love, Sarah, and I think this is where we all got to get, is some of the questions that we ought to be thinking about on election night uh, as things play out. Uh, and you had a, a number of those. Uh, one of those was just looking at the uh, how the actual shakeout is as it relates to a, the abortion debate uh, impacting elections. What are you thinking about there? Yeah, I mean, part of this is more of a personal pet peeve that I just decided to share with the world. Which is, you know, after 20 years as a campaign operative, now, um, you know, I get to tell people it's very frustrating, this idea that the winning campaign did everything right and the losing campaign did everything wrong. And so when it comes to, for instance, what role the issue of abortions played in this election, it's going to be really easy for people to say, for instance, well, 
Stacey Abrams lost in Georgia, therefore the issue of abortion didn't work for Democrats. Mm. But of course, just because she lost by two doesn't mean she wouldn't have lost by four without the issue. Um, And vice versa, you know, oh, Democrats won in, um, you know, Arizona. Well, that means that abortion did work. No, (laughs) that is not actual evidence. Correlation is not causation. And so when we think about the issue of abortion, I think it's very hard to determine what the actual data will be that we look at to determine what role this issue played. And mind you, um, you know, analysis of where the money for television ads is going. Abortion Mm -hmm. is the number one issue ad for Democrats. The economy and inflation is the number one issue for Republicans. So anyway, this is all to say it's going to be a real question. And don't be fooled by the people who tell you there's an easy answer on election (laughs) night. And this is why we have Sarah on the program, folks, (laughs) because weeding through all of that, because there will be instant certainty from either side, regardless of a win or a loss in a certain seat or the entire Congress and the Senate. Uh, people are going to have instant certainty as to what won or lost the election, and uh, we got to get past the headlines. And again, that's why we love having Sarah on the show. Uh, what are the th- other things I know you're going to be thinking about on election night? Is let's assume that uh, the Republicans uh, ride that, whether it's a, a red wave or a red tsunami, or the the blue brick wall falls apart. Uh, what is the governing agenda going to look like? Is there one? Can there be one uh, coming out of the House and the Senate? for Republicans, and I'd sort of put it into three buckets, if you will. One, um, you know, investigations. Republicans obviously want to do any number of investigations into the Biden administration, but certainly high on that list is going to be investigations into, for instance, uh, the Department of Justice's failures uh, to arrest anyone related to vandalism or violence at crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life organizations, Catholic churches. I think you'll see a lot around that. Um, at number two bucket is where there's bipartisan agreement. There could be some really interesting things there, of course, as the Republican Party changes. Yeah. Trade, China, um, social media companies. You know, if politics is a horseshoe, Democrats and Republicans hate social media companies <laughs> right now for different reasons. But yeah. that may actually come to some bipartisan agreement. The last bucket, and the one that's more politically relevant for Republicans, um, are messaging bills, something that you know that the president, that Democrats will have to vote against. You try to make them take hard votes. Think here, you know, a 30-week nationwide ban on abortion. Joe Biden can't vote for that. But at the same time, you know, the vast majority of Americans uh, don't think that you should be able to have, for instance, an elective abortion at 30 weeks. Um, or uh, funding for women's sports and some biological component to that funding. All things that would be politically meaningful, um, but can Republicans actually get their own caucus in order to get it done? You know, can you imagine Republicans having to say that they only voted for a 30-week ban on abortion instead of 15 weeks? A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. 
You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Wow. Those are all fascinating. And uh, I think that first one, when it comes to investigations, uh, I think that's why the Republicans can't have nice things <laughs> because they, they don't. They just can't. They just can't resist that urge to use the gavel uh, and go after things rather than an agenda. Uh, and I actually think your second point that's is right. you run as inflation is the number one issue, and all of your television ads are about that. You get power, and then you decide to investigate Hunter Biden. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is, I, I think, a, a bad scenario uh, and one that uh, is likely to, to play out as we watch it in the days ahead. I do think the the bipartisan opportunities are there. I think there are some of those wraparound issues where uh, you can get uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Rand Paul voting the same way for very different reasons. Uh, but I think there's some of those that uh, could be interesting coming down the home stretch. Uh, also, what else, uh, anything else you're looking at or thinking about uh, in these uh, waning days of the 2022 campaign? Well, I mean, this isn't unique to me, but everyone's wondering if the polls are right this time. If they're right, why? What changed? And if they're wrong, <laughs> Dear God, how are they still wrong? <laughs> uh, I think that is it. And we, we've been having really interesting looks at uh, all the polls, especially now where you've got uh, such early voting going on. 22 million votes already cast. Uh, how are you doing your polling now? Are you polling those who've already voted, those who are self-proclaimed likely voters, people who have actually voted in past elections? Who's going to show up on the day of? Uh, I think all of that makes the polling even more complicated. Absolutely. And let me just also say as my public service announcement, do not read headlines about how the early vote predicts so-and-so wins or so-and-so loses. <laughs> early vote can't even really tell us a whole lot about turnout at this point because we're seeing such a shift in how voters choose to vote. A lot more people moving to vote by mail who used to vote in person. And so they vote earlier. They vote by mail. So just stop. Stop with the early voting prognostication. Just wait for Election Day. It's not even that far away now. Oh, that is a perfect public service announcement uh, to close out with Sarah Isger. Great, as always, Sarah. And uh, as Sarah said, don't trust the headlines when it comes to all the poll stuff that's coming down the home stretch. The only thing you need to worry about is did you vote? So go that's vote. Right. <laughs> that's key. Sarah, <laughs> thank you so much. As always, uh, we look forward to having you back real soon as we uh, march our way to the midterms eight days to go. Thank you. All right, that's Sarah Isgard from the Dispatch, and uh, she's one of our favorites, and you can see why. Uh, she gets past the headlines on all the issues. Uh, and just remember that, you know, there, this correlation and causation are very different animals, and we'll have a, a lot of that to break down. I do think there's some preemptive uh, finger-pointing and placing of blame going on, uh, more so on the left and the right currently, because the right seems to have a, a little bit of an advantage going into Election Day. Uh, but there will be a lot of finger-pointing on races lost. And regardless of whether it was a Republican or a Democrat that lost, there's always finger-pointing, there's always placing blame. Uh, as we say, you know, success has a million mothers and fathers and uh, and defeat has none. Uh, and so there'll be those who will claim that their strategy or their moment uh, was the thing that mattered. Uh, and then when it comes to why someone lost, uh, everyone's going to kind of shrug their shoulders and say, not my job, not my fault. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to 
Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.